Okay, obviously the gospel passage is a very striking passage in itself. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, also, our first reading is also, I would say, a pretty striking passage. Um, that that uh, it has something we call a theophany. So a theophany, think of the word epiphany uh, and what's an epiphany. If you're really trying to think through something um, and then suddenly everything becomes clear for you, right? Like it's, it's revealed, like I know the answer. This is an epiphany, right? There's this sudden revelation. Uh, a theophany is similar where God is revealing himself to somebody. So this theophany, and in fact, our gospel passage is also a theophany, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this, this first one here, so just a little bit of rehashing of what's going on here. So Elijah, who actually, the, the, the reading doesn't say this, but Elijah at this point in 1 Kings chapter 19, he's running for his life. Uh, there's this wicked queen, Jezebel, who has threatened him and, and said that she's going to kill him or have him killed. Uh, and so he's running for his life, and he ends up going up this mountain, Mount Horeb, which uh, is also, this, it's the same mountain as Mount Sinai, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's important that it's the same mountain. Um, so anyway, he goes up the mountain. What happens? He takes shelter in this cave, basically hiding for his life. And then what does it say? It says, the Lord spoke to him. This, this I think, is incredible. And not just spoke to him, but then appeared to him. We, we I think, because... Because we, we have the benefit of living 2,000 years after Christ, and we have the benefit of 2,000 years of Christian history, and the benefit of having you know, our own personal Bibles, and all these different things, and hearing readings at Mass every week, we, we have this benefit that, yeah, of course God speaks to his people. Of course he appears to them. You know, we, we, we again, have, have the benefit of, of Jesus in the Eucharist, in, in our tabernacle, on the altar, really, truly believing that, that God comes among us. But because we have that benefit and because we can become so familiar to that, it, it can sometimes pass over us uh, that, that when God appears to somebody, this is, this is truly extraordinary. You know, like it, in the Old Testament especially, God didn't, he didn't just appear to people out of, like, on a regular basis. This was a pretty rare thing, especially because Elijah is living at a time where there's a wicked king. And, and so it would seem like God has all of the reasons to not appear to anybody. But nonetheless, he's appearing here to Elijah and, and uh, speaking to him, right? So what does he say? He says, go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will be passing by. So, so the, the Lord, this, this just as like a, a little aside here, whenever you read the Old Testament, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but a reminder is always helpful. So whenever you read the Old Testament, you'll see the word Lord in all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is, this is the Lord who has revealed himself. That the, the capitalized letters are the divine name. Uh, big million dollar world here called the Tetragrammaton. So this is the name that God reveals to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. The very first theophany, which I'll mention in a minute. But God reveals to him this name Yahweh. That's uh, typically how it's pronounced. For, for our, our Jewish ancestors, they understand this name to be so sacred, so holy, that they don't ever pronounce it. So in their scriptures, they replace Y-H-W-H with the, the word Adonai, and then they, they write Lord when they write in English. They write Lord in all capital letters. So it's, a, it's such a sacred and such a holy thing. Um, so this, this is the, the God who's appearing to Elijah on the mountain, who's speaking to him and appearing to him. Um, it's, it's truly, a truly incredible and, and extraordinary thing. But then, then actually, I think, I think the reading gets really fascinating because 
because we see how this is going on. So, so Elijah goes out the mountain and he's just waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting for the Lord to pass by. You know, similar to how like if one of your friends called you and said, hey, I'm going to be in the area. I'm passing by. I'll just look, look out for me and I'll stop by and say hello. You know, that kind of thing. It says the Lord is just passing by, which again is, is incredible. But then Elijah is like, okay, well, the Lord said he would pass by. So I'm waiting for him. So it's like he's looking out his cave, except he's come out the cave and he's just waiting like, okay, where is he? So that when God comes, when the Lord comes, I can greet him. Then things start to get strange, right? Because what happens? A strong and heavy wind was rending the mountain. So like tearing the mountain up, crushing rocks, it says, before the Lord. Uh, but the Lord was not in the wind, right? So you gotta, you gotta try to imagine the scene where Elijah's on a mountain and we don't, we don't really have anything. I mean, we, we can't relate to this really in any way uh, because we don't have mountains. We have like gravel piles, right? So like we don't, we don't actually have this kind of thing. And, and we, ha we have a sense because we live in such a flat area, we have a sense of what a strong wind is. But this wind, it says, was crushing rocks. Like that's, that's not the kind of strong wind that we have here. This is, this is something that is truly like to imagine standing on the mountain as there are rocks literally being crushed and thrown around around you. You know, like Elijah's probably thinking like, okay, Lord, anytime you want to stop by, you know, any, like I'm, I'm just waiting for him, right? But the Lord, it says, was not in the wind. And then, and then what happens after the wind, there was an earthquake. So again, it's a similar thing on a mountain, like there's like earth, the ground starts shaking and you can imagine like these big boulders falling down all around Elijah. And he's just like, okay, like, Lord, where are you? You know, you said you were going to be stopping by anytime, literally anytime you want to come, like, I'm happy to greet you because things are getting kind of terrifying, right? Like this, this is, this is crazy. And then the Lord is not in the earthquake, it says. And then after that, there was a fire, right? So things, things are just like, what in the world is going on? These, spo these spontaneous things, the strong wind, the earthquake, this, this fire that just starts blazing. But, but it says all the while, the Lord was not in the fire. And it's only after these, these three like, like magnificent sort of fantastic things that, that come by, it's only after that, that then it says what? The fire, uh, after the fire was a tiny whispering sound. And it's from this whispering sound or other translations say, after this still small voice that then Elijah understands this is the Lord. This is the Lord coming. We'll talk about that, that tiny whispering sound in a minute, but what's fascinating to me is, is this. The, the, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, God is not in these things. What's fascinating is that in previous theophanies, in previous moments where God has revealed himself to Moses, he, he, well, how did God reveal himself to Moses the first time? In the burning bush, right? Through a fire. So it's fascinating that, that in one moment, the Lord is he wants to be known as in this fire, but now he's not in this fire. And in Exodus 19, it, it gets even stranger. So again, Moses is up on this mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, where the Lord reveals himself to Moses. And, and he does it in all of these ways that he doesn't do it in this reading. So, so listen, listen to what it says here. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai, it's the same mountain as Mount Horeb, and Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. 
this, this is, I think it's, it's so strange because like the Lord is in all of these things, the, the, the fantastic, the, the extraordinary, the loud, the, 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 the chaotic, it seems like he's in that, in like, that's how he reveals his presence in that theophany. And now in this theophany, he doesn't reveal himself in that way. In fact, he goes out of his way to, to point out that he's not in these things, but now he's in this tiny whispering sound, this still small voice. It's like, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I suppose part of, part of it is that the Lord is trying to teach us, as we have the benefit of, of reading this after the fact, he's trying to teach us that sometimes he is in those big moments, the, the fantastic sort of things, and other moments he's not in that, but he's in this tiny whispering sound, which of course connects with the gospel passage, right? So, so Jesus and well, his apostles are out on this, the Sea of Galilee, which is a big, it's a really big lake. Uh, and it says they've rowed a few miles. So they're a few miles offshore. And in the middle of the night, between three and 6 a.m., Jesus comes to them and they're, they're afraid, they're terrified. What's more, it's not just that they're terrified, but they're terrified and in the midst of this storm where there's, there's waves and there's wind and probably, probably rain coming down, right? So when Jesus speaks to them, in so many ways, if you've ever been on, on a lake when, when it's like crazy storm, in so many ways, when Jesus speaks to them, they're, they're only going to be able to hear him so much. They, his voice probably wasn't like super booming to them. In some ways, it's, his voice would probably have been similar to this tiny whispering sound, maybe a little bit louder, but, but it's still the kind of thing, like the kind of thing that if you really want to hear him, you got to focus. And so you could imagine as Peter cries out, Lord, Lord, if this is you, right, call me, command me to come to you on the water. And from like, as soon as he finishes this, he's probably like straining his ears to hear the Lord Jesus give that one word answer, come. And of course, then he does. But, but the point here is, is that Peter had to listen and, and Elijah had to listen. What's, what's, the, what's the point of all of this? I, I think the point of all of this is that we got to listen. What, what are we listening for? Well, we're listening for the voice of God. Like this, this is something that I think a lot of, a lot of Catholics maybe haven't really been told, uh, haven't really been taught, but like God wants to speak to you. He, he wants to talk to you and communicate with you. And, and, and a lot of us haven't really been taught that. And so a lot of us don't, I think, really listen for his voice. I, I, know, that, I know that many of you are, are actually, you're really good at, at saying your prayers. Uh, it, it reminds me of, you know, whenever I was with my grandparents, when, when my, well, my grandpa, he's passed now, my grandma's still alive, but when, when I would stay with them, they would wake up really early and they would each have like their stack of holy cards that they would pray and they would pray their rosary, you know, and like they would go to weekday mass and, and like they were doing all the things, you know, so they would say their prayers and they were really good at that and consistent at that. And I'm sure that, that a lot of you are the same way where, where you're good at like, you're, you're good at saying your prayers, the rosaries and, and praying for people and all these different things. And those are, those are really good things. I'm not, my, my next point is not to diminish those things, but my next point is to say that in addition to those things, the Lord also wants us to have prayerful time of silence in our lives. And this is something actually like, I, I've noticed that, that some of you actually do this really well on Sundays at least. I don't, I don't know how you are during the week, but I know that I've noticed that, that some of you come to Mass early and, and you just sit in silence and, and maybe you're saying your prayers mentally or I know that a lot of you are reading through the readings and, and preparing in that way and that's, that's a really great way to spend time in silence. But, but he wants us to have this on a daily basis so that there can be space for him to speak to us. Like, because he does speak to us. And, and it's not that he speaks to us every single time that we take time for silence. I, I have a chapel in my house with, with the Lord, the Blessed Sacrament there, and, and I pray for an hour in that chapel at least every day, every morning. 
And the vast majority of those mornings, I, I wouldn't say that I receive any sort of theophanies or epiphanies from the Lord. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he speaks to me every single day. But, but I also know that this is part of having a relationship with him is just being in his presence so that, so that when the time comes that he wants to speak to me, he can speak to me. Whether, whether that is in that silent moment or whether the fruit of spending that silent time with the Lord provides for him to speak to me when times are chaotic, similar to how it was with Elijah and similar to how it was with, with Peter and the apostles. When, when things were chaotic and, and fantastic and disorganized, right? And, and in other sense, in other ways in scripture, we see the Lord speaks to people when they're going through tragedies and sickness and, and death and, and difficulties and broken relationships. Like these are the moments when, when we have to listen to the voice of the Lord. But if we're not in the habit of taking time daily to listen for his voice in silence, then, then it's not likely that we're gonna pause in the chaotic moments of life to really try to hear him and listen to him. So I, I, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in it, whether, whether you're someone who's already taking time on a daily basis to spend time in silence, I just want to encourage you in that. And like, that's, that's really good. And it's really important uh, to do that and to continue doing that. And even maybe to consider growing in that time of prayerful silence throughout your day. But, but maybe if, if some of us are not in that habit, you're, you're in the habit maybe of saying your prayers or, or you're in the habit of, of doing all of the right things. And, and I'm not saying to get rid of those. In fact, keep those things. But maybe I think there's an invitation from the Lord here to add something to your spiritual life, which is to add some time for prayerful silence. And, and not, just, not just silence for the sake of silence. I mean, there's something valuable to that, but, but silence for the sake of, like, I want to open up space in my heart for the Lord to speak to me. Because he does want to speak. You know, this, this, this is the thing is we are, as Catholic Christians, of course, we are a religious people. And, and that religious aspect of our lives with the Lord, it, it does demand that we do certain things on, on the outside. It does demand that we, you know, we say our prayers, that we come to mass. And, and I know that, that, that many of us are in, like, in the habit of doing all of those things and faithfully coming to mass and, and faithfully saying our prayers. And like I said, I want to encourage you in that all the more. But another part of our religion is a relationship with the Lord Jesus, a real relationship. He's not, he's not a distant God. He's not a mythical figure, but we believe that he's a real living divine person who, who yes, he came to earth and he died and he rose and he ascended into heaven, but, but we also believe that he's truly here, present with us in our hearts, in our, in our lives, but also truly here in this church. So I, I encourage you, it, maybe even to, to come to the church more often. If you have a key, if you don't have a key, we can, we can help you get one if you, if you need to. Um, but to come to church early on Sundays and, and to be prayerful when you're here uh, so, that, so that, again, you can just provide the Lord a little extra space to speak into the silence or a little extra space to speak to you when life is chaotic and you need a word of encouragement from him. Because that's, that's what he provides for, for Peter ultimately, right? Like, do not be afraid. It is I. Take courage. And then he calls Peter out of the boat and Peter walks on the water, which again, is, is like just incredible that he walks on the water. Who else do you know that walks on water? I mean, I guess in some ways we all do in Minnesota because in the wintertime the, the water freezes, but, but like who walks on water when it's not frozen? Like nobody does that. Only God does that. 
In fact, when Jesus says, it is I, the, the Greek that he says there is ego eimi, which, which is the Greek version of the divine name. Uh, it's, it's, so Jesus is revealing himself. And then, and then what? When, when he gets into the boat, those who were in the boat did him homage. They, they worshiped him. They, they prostrated themselves before him. So that there, like I said, it's, it's, it's just fortifying that there is an aspect of our spiritual lives that it, it demands that we worship him because he is worthy of our worship. And that's what we do when we come to mass. But this other aspect of, of listening to him speak, listening to him call us into maybe areas of discomfort, call us into places where it seems like it's too chaotic, but he calls us into that place. And when we respond, he can provide for us in incredible, impossible ways. And, and all of that kind of flows out of this, this lived relationship with him, spending time with him, allowing him to speak to our hearts as, as we share this life with him. What, what a beautiful life it is. Um, and, uh, and I just don't want us to miss out on that.